I am uh, I'm on a diet. Isn't it a sad thing? It's one of those New Year's things, you know, you got to just lose a couple pounds here or there. I, I'm on a diet, so uh, I, but I'm not really like enthused about being on a diet. So I, I get to the uh, I get to the refrigerator. Have you ever done this? You get to the refrigerator and you're just really hungry, but you don't know what you want. I just stare at the refrigerator and I just think with me. I have tears running down my face, and I say, Norma could have made a feast out of this. It's nothing to me. Uh, you know, you're just hungry. You want something, and you're thirsty, and you want something, and, and nothing seems to hit the spot. Nothing seems to satisfy. You just are. And we usually think about hunger in uh, negative terms. In case you don't know this, we are in a series on the Beatitudes. And today is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. They will be filled. And sometimes we think about hunger and thirst in in negative terms. But but hungering and thirsting is a very healthy thing, right? If you don't have hunger and you're not thirsty, you are dying or dead. We're a really quiet group here today. It's okay. You know, you know that, that's a good thing to hunger and thirst. And, and it's an even better thing to hunger and thirst after righteousness. For that's what Jesus says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Amen? I'm hungry. I'm hungry for food, and I'm hungry for Jesus. You know, we think about righteousness, and there are two ways that we usually think about righteousness. And and one way we think about righteousness is this idea of being in a right relationship with God. We have a right relationship with God. We are righteous in our relationship with God. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we've done everything perfectly well and we never have an evil thought and we never go anywhere. It just means that we have a right relationship with God. We have come into relationship with Him and we have a right relationship with Him. Isn't that good? Now, the sad news is sometimes we think about righteousness, and that's not a bad way to think about it, but sometimes we forget the first one and we just focus on the second one. So we think about righteousness in the sense of right living. I am righteous because of the way that I live. I'm righteous because of the things that I do. I'm righteous because of my whatever, my behavior, my character, my whatever you have. And, and sometimes we get so focused... Can I get an amen from all the good Nazarenes? That was a quiet one. We get so focused on the, on the righteous living that we forget. You rubbing the back of his head for any particular reason? He's your friend. Okay, I just, I just, I was wanting to know. It's one of those things. You know, you never know. The things that you see out there, be careful. Pastors see everything. So, you know, and I'm like, he's going, oh, that's like, <laughs> but okay, that's a, that's a little unusual. 
But sometimes we get so preoccupied with righteous living that we forget that we have a righteous relationship. They both go together. You can't have one without the other. But because, you know, this is the reality. We know this. You can be do as much as you want to do. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But not a single one of us will accomplish that. We live in a righteous relationship with God because he loves us. Right. And we live to be righteous in what we do because we have a righteous relationship with God. It's not the other way around. We're not righteous, so God likes us. Yeah, you get that? Because here's, here's a couple little secrets about our righteousness and this whole idea of, uh, of righteousness. Is that we will never be righteous on our own, right? There, there is nothing that you're ever going to do that's going to say, oh, yeah, I've got it together. I, I'm really God's lucky to have me. Right. Have you ever thought that? No, you've never thought that. But we act like that sometimes. God's just lucky to have me on the team. Put the next scripture up there, would you? Israel Ecclesiastes says there is not a righteous person on earth. Who always does what is right and never sins. I'm going to get up here because I think I have a different version of that. No, I don't. (laughs) You get this? This is from Ecclesiastes. This is way back when. This is not a new thought. I mean, sometimes we, we, we live in an age that wants to say, you're good. You're okay. We're just good and getting better. Right? No, we're not. There, there, there is none of us are perfectly holy. None of us do this all the time. Next verse. Okay, maybe not. This is one. Romans three twenty says, "No one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what His law commands." Because the more we know God's law, and the clearer it becomes that we cannot keep it. Can I just? Can you just get this? What, what's, the, what's the first line there? What's the first word? First, no. no one. No, I'm sorry. First word is no. First two words. No one. No one. Just say that with me. No one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what his laws command. See, his laws command us to do X, Y, Z. We have all this list of what we need to do, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to make it all happen. And we think, well, if I just do all these things, then then I'll be good. But Paul says in Romans 3 here, says no one will ever be made righteous by following all of these commands. No one, there are no lists of rules that you can follow sufficiently to be made righteous before God. And in fact, the second thing you ought to really get out of this passage of scripture, this verse, is that the more we know God's law, the more we know him, the more we understand who he is, the more we see his righteousness, his holiness and the way we live and function. What's it say? The clearer it gets, right? The clearer it gets that we're not able to do it on our own. No one. And the longer we walk with God, the more we know that difference. 
I, I, I tell people, you know, when I was younger, I knew a lot. I knew a lot. I understood things, man. I had answers for the world. I was ready to fix the world and charge out there, man. I can make a difference in the world. I'm going to make a difference in the church and I'm going to make a difference in my holiness. And man, they're going to. The older I get and the more I go, the more I realize the key word to everything I just said to you is what? I, I'm going to make a difference in the world. I'm going to make this thing. I'm going to live so holy and so pure. I'm going to be so on fire for this thing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know what? I'm not going to do any of it. And the older I get, the more I realize that it's not about me. It is about Jesus. And it's all that in him doing anything that happens. And the more I get to know him, the more I understand who I am. Yeah, I was just in the service over the Brian. Brian was preaching and he, and he said almost a similar kind of thing when he said the reason why we get convicted when we come to church. Sometimes we can say, I'm going to go to church and I feel all this conviction, all this con- condemnation, all that kind of stuff. He said, it's just so we'll know how much more God loves us. I tell you, there's great truth in that. Scripture tells us, who is it that loves God the most? Who is it that loves God the most? The one who has been forgiven the most. And the more we know about who God is and how holy he is, the more we come into that understanding of God's great love for us that embraces us. And says, you know what? I love you. For you see, that's the, that's the second part of this, this business of, of righteousness that we need to understand. I, we're never going to do it on our own. But God, but God, in his great love for us, had a plan. It's called Jesus. We celebrate that, right? We, we came, he walked among us, he talked among us, we saw him, he showed us what it was to live, he showed us all this stuff. We had great expectations for who he was going to be and what he was going to be, and he came not to be a conqueror, but to die as a sacrifice for us in our place. Next one. God made Christ, who never sinned, who was holy and purely righteous, God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made what? Right with God. See, the right relationship. Not because of us, but because of Christ. We were made right with him. Is that good news for anybody else? Yes. This is because... You know what? We walk around saying, well, I could never be good enough and I could never do this. And I'm, well, I can't go there. I can't go to church and I can't be a part of this because I'm, ne- I'm a bad person. You know what? You're right about all that but one side. Except for God just loves you that much more. That's what he did for us. And all we have to do, see, here's the deal. All we have to do is just... Accept it. Right? 
Next verse. We're going to real quick. God saves us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. All we have to do is embrace it, right? This is a simple message. You know this. What's the next verse say? Romans 9. Romans 10, excuse me, verse 9. If we, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For you believe with your heart, resulting in what? Righteousness. I started looking up all these verses in righteousness. And I read these passages and it just righteousness never jumped out at me at these passages. But... But we believe with our heart, resulting in righteousness, right relationship, and the empowering to right living. And you confess with your mouth, resulting in salvation. It it is this very simple concept of, of righteousness comes not because of us, but because of God's great sacrifice and love for us. And we're invited to just say yes. Over and over again, we're just invited to say yes. God continually invites us to say yes. Every time we mess up and every time we look up at him and say, God, how could you love me? He says, yes, I love you. We just say yes to him, right? And he embraces us and calls us and invites us in. But you have to say yes, right? You can keep on saying, well, I want to be good. I want to be better. We keep on getting it out, but it doesn't work. You know what this is? These are little cups with grape juice in it. These are styrofoam wafers. These, by the way, I, I didn't get one of these the other day and I got one of these. These are the gluten-free ones. These are the absolute best. We're going to these, by the way, in the near, very near future. They are so much better. This is God saying to us, I love you this much. I love you enough to die when I didn't deserve to die. I love you enough to lay down my life for you even when you just keep on messing up. Right? So, so when you see this, when you see, well, this one, that's easier. When you see over oh, a camera with a big screen. When you see these symbols of his broken body and his shed blood. That's us saying or hearing God say, I love you. Now, here's the deal. When you partake of those things by faith. When you partake of those things by faith. You are saying back to God, I love you. 
I love you not because I'm good. I love you not because I've got my act together. I love you not because, you know, for the last year, 10 years, 50 years, I've been righteous. But because in this moment, I love you, my God, who gave your all for me. Unworthy, unrighteous, made righteous by you and your blood. Amen. We're going to receive communion. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up and those who are going to help us serve communion to come. But I want to pray with you before we do that. By the way, my sermon is not this short. The second half is coming. But I, but I want to talk to you about righteousness and being right with God, being made right with him, not on the basis of us, us, but on the basis of God. And so I want to pray this. And, and, and you, you may think this is this thing. It's like, well, of course, we all know that. But I'm just telling you, sometimes we know it and we don't know it because we've never really responded to it. And, and, the, and the question is just this. Will you receive it? God's offering his love and grace and mercy to us. And we're invited to just say yes to him. And we're going to demonstrate that this by sharing in this. But I want to invite you, if you would just bow your heads with me and, and, and let's just pray. And you play just a little. And I just want to invite you to this. I mean, without looking around, without any of that stuff. If you just say, Pastor, I don't feel worthy. And, and I've never really said yes to God's love and grace in my life. But I want to. Because I know that I'm not righteous. But I want to be in a right relationship with God. And if you've never prayed a prayer like that, if you've never just said, God, I can't, but you can. I love you. Help me. Or help me to love you more. Forgive me. If you've never prayed that kind of prayer, or maybe it's been a long time since you prayed that kind of prayer. I want to invite you to pray with me in just a minute. But I want to invite you to this because I'd like to talk to you. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. And if you've prayed this prayer, I mean, today for the first time or maybe a long time you have and you just need to renew that prayer, you pray with me. But at the end of the service, I'm going to, I'm going to just be up front for a few minutes. And if, if you prayed that kind of prayer today, I, I want to invite you to, after the service, just come talk to me. Just say, Pastor, I prayed the prayer. I don't know much about it, but I want, I want to pray and I want to go with God. And you come talk to me. So pray with me this prayer. Lord. I know the truth of who I am. I know the truth when nobody else sees me, knows about me. And I know that I don't have enough. I'm not righteous. But I want to be in a relationship with you. And I hear your love inviting me 
inviting me into forgiveness, inviting me into newness, embracing me even with all my mess. And so today, Lord, I say yes to that love. I say yes to your forgiveness. Help me. Shape me. Mold me. Let me find my righteousness in you. Lord, thank you. I receive it now in Jesus' name. So the question is this, if blessed are the hungry and the thirsty for righteousness, for they shall be filled, then then what do we do to stay spiritually hungry? Because that's a good thing, folks. You understand that? It's a good thing to be spiritually hungry and thirsty. It's a good thing to just wake up every day and say, God, I want more of you. I I love you and I want more of you. That is a good thing. You don't want to ever get like, oh, I'm so full, I don't want any more. Or you don't want to get so sick that you say, I don't want any more. So what do you do? Let me give you a few things. Paul prayed for the Ephesians This amazing kind of prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, pray. He said, I pray for you. But he's, just skip off the I. I'm just telling you, this is a good way to do. Pray this. Pray, pray that you have the power to understand how wide and how long and how high and how deep God's love really is. May you experience the love of Christ through it. Excuse me. Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled to all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. You want to stay hungry with God? Just keep asking God. God, help me to understand how much you love me. Help me to understand that there is no quit in you and there's no giving up in you and that You're not going to cast me out and that there is this place that I come to you and I just know more and more of your love and you embrace me. Have you ever needed to be embraced? We come with God. And God embraces us. He loves us more and more every day. I know it's an old song, and, and I'm, I'm going to be so brave as to sing this, but it's something good that says, <clears throat> I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. I keep Falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. He gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. I just keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. 
There is something about that mindset that just says, I want more of you. I want more of you. I want to love you more. I want to know you more. I want to feel your sense of presence in my life more and more and more and more. Want to be hungry? You want to stay hungry? Just keep seeking him. Keep crying out to God. God, help me to love you more. Help me to understand who you are and what you are and what you mean to me. Yes? And the second thing is this. What do you fill your mind with? What do you fill your mind with? If we want to be hungry for a God, that we ought to understand that, that there is something about I can't just sit down and play video games. Excuse me, wrong crowd. I can't just sit down and play video games all day and hope I'm going to get closer to God. I can't go out and go golfing all day and think I'm going to get closer to God. We, we've got to somehow get this idea that, that we're seeking the things of God. We, we, we've got to invest ourselves in those things. Right? Next verse. Lord says, all you who are thirsty, come to me and drink. And to those of you who don't have any money to buy food, come and eat for free. This is this is the greatest thing. God just says, if you just come to me, I'm going to fill you up. Come to me. I'm going to feed you. Come to me. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to build you up. And then he says the rest of the verse. Why do you spend your money on that which doesn't satisfy? I'm not quoting it, but. I mean, why do we do that? Why, why do we do that? Why do you spend your money on something? Oh, I guess that's pretty close. Spend your money on something that isn't real food and doesn't really satisfy you. Come to me and you'll eat what is good and your soul will enjoy the stuff that really satisfies. Yeah. Okay. Can I ask you a, a really... Sorry. How much time do you spend with God? I mean, every waking moment is with God. But seriously, how much time do you spend with God in His Word? How much time do you spend with God in prayer? We're getting ready to start this emphasis on prayer. Do you know why people, churches, have emphases on prayer? Somebody tell me. So we don't pray enough. We somehow get distracted and we do everything but pray. Can I go from preaching to meddling? How much time do we spend in God's word? How much time do we spend reflecting on who he is? How much time do we sit and slow our lives down enough to allow God to actually speak something into our lives?
I think I saw a national study somewhere down the road a piece, and they said something like, the average person who identifies themselves as a Christian spends about a minute with God a day. Average. Something like that. I was like, fabulous. Until I started thinking, well, pastor, how much time do you spend in God's word? How much time do you spend in prayer? How much time do you spend just being quiet with God in his presence? And I felt a little convicted about that. So I'm asking you a nosy question. God and I have already had a little conversation. Can I just tell you that one of the one of the greatest things that I have experienced in this year is just being with God. One of my one of my commitments, one of my desires is to say I want to be a man of peace. Can I just tell you that you don't become a man of peace? Now, I'm saying this really early in the year, so you can come back nine months from now and tell me. But I'm just telling you, I know this for a fact. You don't become a man of peace without spending peaceful moments with God. There, there's that, there's that, that sense of something that happens when we just set aside some time with God. and We say, God, what do you want to do in me? What's going on here? What do you want to say to me? Not like, oh, God, you know, I'm late, slept in, stayed up late, too late last night. I got to get to work. I'm on my way. But God, help, bless my day. If that's all you got, that's all you got. And that's OK. But I'm just telling you, if you want to hunger and thirst, if you want to be filled with, with this wonderful sense of satisfaction of God's work in your life, we've got to spend time with him. Yeah, I'm going to tell you more about that. Next week, when I just tell you, God broke into my life in a way that was pretty special to me. You understand? We've got to make sure that we're feeding ourselves with the stuff that satisfies. Okay? Will you still love me for having said that? I'm so scared about saying stuff like that because I think, oh, that preacher, you know, he does rah, rah, rah. And I'm telling you, I'm not rah, rah, rah at you. I'm rah, rah at me. And I'm just sharing with you. These are truths that help us. And I know it seems like we all do that. But I'm telling you, if we sat down with a clock, not that we have to clock ourselves because it's not about that, but quality time with God. I had a friend of mine once said would you rather have quality time with your children or quantity time with your children what would the answer be as a parent what would the answer be you guys are so good it's both You want not just quality time with your kids, and you don't want this massive amount of time that really just stinks. You're not happy. They're not happy. 
You're just together. Can I get an amen? I got, a, I got, okay, got an amen on both sides. But, but it, it's this time together. God wants both as well. Third thing is this. Just, you need to make God your passion. You think about how David talked about, about uh, his life and his relationship with God. You know the kind of words he used, the, the language that he used. Is, is this our language? He used words like longing and yearning and thirsting and crying. I'm crying out for you. I'm longing for you. I'm desperate for you. You're my everything. You know, he used that kind of language. Psalm 63, one says, you, God, are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Jesus, this very simple word, said, seek first the kingdom of God and all this other stuff. Right. First, the kingdom. All the other stuff will fall into place. If we seek us first, nothing falls into place. If we seek all that other stuff, none of the rest of it falls into place. It's just a passion after God that changes us. Yeah. Whoops. Excuse me. Thankfully, that wasn't the carpet. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and not just because it's approaching noon and I didn't have any breakfast. I want more of God. I want more of him in and through and living out of my life. And I want that for us as a church. I won't get there without you. And you won't get there without me. Not just like, that was the line to say, you won't get there without somebody. (laughs) We need each other in that process. Your words of, man, I just had this great time with God. He's doing something awesome. Or your words of, I feel alone and I don't know what I'm doing. Honesty of our hearts, hunger and thirsting. The sorrows and joys of life that we do together as the body of Christ, as we hunger and thirst After righteousness. That's really one of the last ways. We don't get there without each other. Are you hungry? 
If you were sitting in God's doctor's office, (laughs) he'd be asking you those kinds of questions. There's something out of sync, Doc, with my life. He'd be saying things like, How's your eating? How's your exercise? Anything really hurting you right now? Could we just corporately have a little doctor's office time? And just listen to what the doctor might say to us. I've been to a couple counselors since my wife's passing. Do you know what every one of them has said to me? Keep eating. Keep exercising. It's good for the soul. Even when you feel like crud. Can I say that to you? When you feel out of sync spiritually... Don't quit taking it in. Don't quit exercising. Just keep going forward. Lord, into your hands do we give all that we are. I'm a hungry and thirsty soul. And the only satisfaction I find is in you. All the other stuff of life, the best of it and the most painful of it, somehow doesn't seem to matter as much. Because you walk beside us. Keep us hungry in you, Lord.